God save the King! God save King Charles! Long live King Charles! May the King live forever! Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto. It's May 8th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. King Charles III has officially been coronated in an extravagant state affair that has not been seen in the Commonwealth for 70 years. And the King has been waiting just as long to fulfill his destiny as sovereign. But now that the big event is over, what comes next for his reign, for the future of the British monarchy and New Zealand's role in it? NZ Herald Lifestyle and Entertainment editor Jenny Mortimer is in London for the big event. She joins us now on the front page to recap the coronation and give us a taste of the mood on the ground. Jenny, before we touch the big event, you've been in London for a few days now. What is the mood on the ground ahead of the coronation? How excited or apathetic was the city beforehand? Look, London feels like a city that has come back to life again. Locals, even if they don't care about the coronation at all, seem to be really thrilled about the fact that people are packing into their city. Businesses, as far as the eye can see, were thriving. It was hard to get a spot at a table of any restaurant in London. The mood was just really great. People were excited. There was an absolute buzz about town. But how much of it was for the coronation? It was hard to tell, but I mean, there was tourists everywhere just hoping for that glimpse. So this is really about bringing a city that's been hit by a number of issues over recent years back to life. Totally. And that's how it feels. You know, there's been a lot of doom and gloom in London, you know, not even getting into the politics of things and the cost of living crisis. You know, they got hit hard by COVID. And so many people who are living here in London who I've spoken to have said that this is really the first time where that feeling of their city is coming back. And the royal family plays a massive part in the feeling and the, in the makeup of what the city is. There were even a few New Zealanders present. You spoke to a few people camped outside for the coronation? Yes. Uh, one of the people I spoke to um, was this incredible woman named Mo from Christchurch. She was telling me that she flew over for the coronation and she had also been there and, and camped out for the Queen's funeral. So she had been there since Wednesday. So that's a long time to camp out. And she had a $19 Kmart tent and she had her husband and a bottle of bubbles. She was just so excited to be there. And honestly, when I went walking along the mile trying to find Kiwis, I really didn't expect to find anybody who'd been there that long. I just hope that that $19 Kmart tent was watertight because I have heard that there's been a bit of rain in London. It was very wet and yes, my thoughts were with Mo, but I have faith in the Kmart tent. I had a full rain jacket on and I still felt absolutely drenched. There was loads of umbrellas. I heard some great stories coming out of parts of the crowd where they were chanting for people to put the umbrellas down and pointing out different people to put the umbrellas down so that everyone could get that glimpse of the family because it was so hard to get a look. A look that's been 70 years in the making with everyone with their umbrellas and their rain protection on. 
where I was standing, there was actually a few people who had bought pop-up step ladders, and one of them even had the audacity to ask if somebody could give her a hand up on it so she could step in front of them. So look, there were some very bold characters, and I won't say what generation they were from, but I don't think anyone would be surprised. Jenny, I do understand, though, that rain is quite a good omen. Yes, so I've heard. Apparently, rain and coronations go hand in hand, so maybe this is a good luck charm for Charles. For 70 years, he has been the heir to the throne, but now His Majesty makes his way to be the 40th monarch crowned in Westminster Abbey, the 62nd monarch overall. And this is a journey he has made so many times in his life, but this time is exceptional and historic. Jenny, what was the personal highlight of your coverage of this event? For me, I think it was when those carriages came past. Everyone in that crowd, their eyes were absolutely glued on it. And it was poetry in motion. Everything was perfectly timed. It was flawless. And then seeing the king go past, shortly followed by William and Kate and their three children. It was just, it was beautiful to witness. And we got a glimpse of the gorgeous royal children waving and it was truly magic. Look, I am team Prince Louis. He is the cutest child I think I've ever seen by my own. So well behaved. I can tell you right now, I have a child the same age as Louis and there is no chance that he is behaving that well. So everyone needs to rally behind Louis because he is a well-behaved boy despite what the Daily Mail said. He did steal the show again with that yawn photograph too. (laughs) Oh, look, put any other three or four-year-old in the front row of an Abbey for two hours and they're going to be doing a heck of a lot more than yawning. Jenny, this event has been decades in the making, but the royal family has also played a very important role in your career. So how did it feel personally seeing all of this unfold? It was incredible to actually witness so much of what we write about every day. The royal family and the royals are such a massive part of my role as lifestyle editor. I live and breathe the royals. I love talking about them. I love soaking it up. I can't say, oh, no, I can say, actually, there is there is one uh, royal that I don't like. But I have a special little editor connection to each member of that family. And seeing them in the flesh was truly a highlight of my career. I felt so honoured to be there. And really, it was just everything that you could imagine and more. What a moment. And what a moment for a journalist who works in this field. I can't think of any better place to be down here at the mall and I have found a royal fanatic in Liza. Liza, how long have you been here? From about six this morning. What do you think of Charles as a king? I think he's had loads of years to practice so I think he'll do all right. Don't think he'll get it long. He's 74 so I don't think he'll be there long but yeah I'm sure it'll be fine and then William will take over and that'll be King Billy. And do you have any other plans today after this? Are you going to kick on with the celebrations? Yeah we're going to get drunk. This is an event that's completely drenched in hundreds of years of history. So the main two-hour ceremony, that is obviously deeply traditional and incredibly focused on religion and the king's role as the head of church. But we did see some new elements come through with more roles for women, gospel singers, and different faiths represented. So do you think that this ceremony will resonate with a 21st century audience the same way that Queen Elizabeth's did in 1953? I will say that I think the ceremony 
may have lost some of the modern audience. While I was outside, I was getting a lot of feedback from people via text message and afterwards, kind of saying that the ceremony was quite slow and dragging. They didn't really understand what was happening. However, it is something that is rooted in tradition. It is not there to stun and to thrill that official ceremony. That's what your procession is for. That's what your fly past is for. And that's what the modern elements like the great coronation concert are for. There are moments for those modern pieces to be added, but that actual ceremony inside the Abbey is purely for tradition's sake and for that special connection between the monarchy and the church. So to put a 21st century spin on that, I think it would take entirely away from what the coronation is at its core. Because it is, it's tradition, it's ritual, it's pomp, it's ceremony, it's the marking of an important moment of history. Absolutely. And, you know, if you take away too many of those elements, granted, of course, there is room for change. There's, of course, room for more inclusion and there's room for people to have choice. You know, that's some of the things that we haven't had in the past, but it needs that tradition. That's what it's about. That's what that moment's about. Without the tradition, there's no coronation at all. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. There are still a few key events to come in this coronation week, but uh, attention is now turning to the future. So what do you think the king's priorities will be now that the coronation is complete? I think Charles is going to be breathing a sigh of relief when these next few days are over, essentially. But Charles, he's always been really clear on what he stands for. When I was speaking to people out and about, one of the things I was asking them is, what type of king do you think Charles will be? And they all were saying, well, he's quite progressive and he's really passionate about those environmental issues and he's quite forward-thinking king. I think Charles is going to be much more opinionated in terms of the role and how he takes on the role. I don't think he's afraid to still challenge those big causes, and I think he's going to continue his work with them, even in his role as the king. The environment has always been something he's so deeply passionate about, you know, and seeing the work of things like the Prince's Trust. I think that stuff will definitely continue and he will continue to be at the helm of it. He's not somebody who's going to sit in the wings. He'll practice what he preaches. Now, in these tough economic times, it does seem that almost everyone has to prove what their worth is. So while the UK is feeding this cost of living crisis, does a royal family without a queen at the head have to remind everyone what its purpose is? Look, the I've, I spoke to um, Prime Minister Hipkins today, and we asked him a very similar question. Essentially, with the cost of living crisis and everything going on, you know, does it feel a bit strange being part of something, you know, so, so elaborate, so bold, so shiny? It does pomp and ceremony quite as well as the British do. Um, and, you know, it's, there's an event here that's got a thousand years of history associated with it. I think cost of living is front of mind for everyone. And you'll see that this coronation is on a smaller scale than previous coronations have been. And I think that that is an acknowledgement by the Crown that actually they need to live in the times that we live in as well. I guess the truth of the matter is the two things are so separate in a lot of ways. There weren't Brits out complaining. There wasn't anywhere near as much feedback as I would have thought from people complaining about the cost. You know, we've spoken about it before and it felt like I was the, <laughs> you and I were the only people outraged about the insane cost of this. 
I also spoke to a friend of mine who lived here and lives here. And basically she kind of said that people are so sick of doom and gloom. They want shiny. They want happy. Um, so while maybe some people sitting back think that the whole event of this feels a bit out of touch, the truth is there's not actually a lot of people complaining about what's taking place right now, bar some protesters that we saw today, but that's an entirely different issue. It was also interesting to hear Prime Minister Chris Hipkins reiterate his Republican beliefs before heading to London to meet the king. And yet he still stressed Republicanism isn't a priority for this government. What do you think is preventing Aotearoa from having this conversation about the role of the monarchy? I just think that there are bigger issues that we need to tackle as a country. I guess it reminds me a bit about the argument about changing the New Zealand flag. It feels a bit like, why do we need to? If something isn't essentially broken, why fix it? And a lot of people have questioned the relationship in the past with the royal family. And there are definitely wrongs that need to be addressed and needs to be put right at some point. However, New Zealand has so many other issues that they need to tackle to better our country before we think about things like that. And I honestly don't think it's something that a large part of New Zealand is thinking about. If there was a reason for us to, um, I think, of course, we would all rally around and really challenge the government or, you know, challenge for a change to be made. I see a lot of people as thinking, well, what are they currently doing wrong? You know, there's nothing that's on the forefront of people's minds more than what they are personally experiencing at that time, which is a lot more hardship than something like changing the royal family would cause for them. There are some calls for change, though. The lead-up to this coronation also saw Commonwealth Indigenous leaders, including Maori leaders, demand an apology from the king for the effects of colonisation. Do you think that this will be something that the monarchy will address under the, the regime of King Charles? Look, I don't think King Charles is afraid to tackle those bigger issues. I really don't. However, there is a chance that his views on things will soften a bit now that he can't be quite as opinionated as he's been in the past. I don't know if anything is going to be tackled within his reign in terms of, you know, that type of thing. But I think there is definitely room for more open dialogue. And I think Charles is definitely a king that would be happy to have those conversations. Whereas in the past, maybe those conversations haven't been things that have been able to be breached at all. Breaches for His Majesty the King! And Her Majesty, the Queen! Hep, hep! Hep, hep! Hep, hep! King Charles also has some internal drama to deal with. Princess Harry and Andrew arrived in the same group. Do you think that these two will remain problems for the royals? Obviously for quite different reasons, for the foreseeable future. And can they do anything to stop these two from dominating headlines as they have in recent years? I think Andrew in particular is trying to clamber back his role within the family. He's really trying to stake his claim and say, no, I was born into this family. They should stick with me. We've seen him a lot in recent times, especially with the passing of his mum, kind of trying to essentially weasel his way back in. Harry has taken the exact opposite approach. Harry doesn't particularly want to be involved. Harry has already left London. He left within hours of that coronation. 
he's not really keen to hang around and make amends. So I think the problems as far as Harry is concerned, they're going to continue far longer than Andrew, who's just keen for everybody to forgive and forget. And while Andrew's sins are far greater than anything Harry has done, it seems like the family are willing to entertain that conversation a lot more than the Harry conversation right now. Finally, Jenny, if a vote on republicanism was held today in the wake of this event, do you think we'll be voting to stay or go? I think New Zealand would be voting to stay. And the reason I think this is because there is something spectacular about the royal family and there is something spectacular about being part of what the royal family represents and seeing the New Zealand flag being flown and actually being there and witnessing it. I felt so proud and I know so many other Kiwis felt so proud to be playing a part in it, seeing the New Zealand Defence Force go past, seeing the flag bearer go past. It was all incredibly special and you felt like you were part of something a lot bigger. The whole day and the finer details and everything was like watching a piece of art in motion. And I, as a Kiwi and also as a royal fan, I felt really proud of of seeing our country on the map and also seeing all those Commonwealth nations come together. So my guess is it would be a vote for stay, but I would say that had everyone seen what I witnessed today, I think it would be a unanimous stay. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.